Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're very welcome to Tuesday afternoon's late lunch on LMFM Radio. Well, COP28, everybody's waiting with bated breath to see will there be a draft agreement at the end of the whole process? Difficulties yesterday continuing today. There's a good friend of ours in Dubai standing by to have a chat with us, Emeritus Professor John Sweeney. Welcome back to Late Lunch. What's the latest, John? Good afternoon, Jerry. Well, yes, I mean, you're quite right in that, um, you know, we're, we're waiting with bated breath for the next text to come. We're, we're expecting it in the next couple of hours. Can you hear me okay, Jerry? I, yes, I have you, John. Yeah, I have you. Yeah. Oh, fine, fine. Yeah, I mean, what happened last night was the, the culmination of two weeks of negotiations and the supposed draft agreement that emerged from that. And it was really disappointing. You know, we've had a lot of hope, a lot of anticipation. The young people have been going around singing and marching and exuberant about the prospects of what, what achieving the, the kind of breakthrough that's necessary for us to avoid the climate tipping points down the road. And just like many other cops I've been to, uh, when it comes to the second last day and the last day, the, the rubber hits the road and the hard-nosed negotiators simply say no. And that's really what's been happening over the past 24 hours. The draft text that did come out um, was something that could have been written by OPEC, quite honestly. Mm. Um, it, it had very limited ambition. Um, it didn't achieve or didn't mention the phase-out of fossil fuels, which was the main ask really from this particular COP and it was quite clearly stymied by the oil producing countries but for other countries it was really disastrous news because if you take the small island developing states uh, they described this text this agreement in, in draft form they described it as a death certificate for them mm. um, and, and that really kind of brought home to people just how bad it was so the EU for example have been very strong now in saying that unless this is modified they will walk away from the talks which would be a first really for the EU to do that um, but the Today has been a strange day because all of the negotiators have been in conclave all day. We're waiting for them to come forth with a second text. Um, and then there will be another sort of plenary sometime, uh, probably tomorrow at this stage. So the, the, the meeting has now been extended by two days um, and there's no end in sight at this point. But it's quite 
it's quite sad in a way that uh, the promise that uh, we had two weeks ago has been dashed effectively. And it's not too surprising when you think about the location of this conference mm. in, in the middle of a very big oil producing state um, and the kind of pressures that were on the negotiators. Uh, we had a visit from Mr. Putin earlier in the week. He didn't come to COP, but he went to the UAE and he went to Saudi Arabia and one wonders what he was saying to them about uh, phasing out oil. Um, so, you know, you can you can put two and two together and see that it's a very difficult task that we're facing here in terms of trying to get a text that's acceptable to all because the UN works on unanimity. And so getting a text that everybody agrees to is going to be a big uphill struggle, I think. It certainly is, despite what we're facing imminently and all the portents and the warning uh, if something isn't done quickly and seriously. And I'll tell you, John, there's been stinging rebukes. I've just seen them across the media here this morning uh, based on last night's text. People uh, comparing this, holding the cop to, say, an Alcoholics uh, Anonymous AGM in a pub. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah, it's rather like, I was thinking myself, it's rather like you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you have a really serious illness, uh, your time on this planet is limited, um, uh, unless you have drastic surgery tomorrow. And then uh, the next breath says, well, I've talked with my fellow doctors and we're going to send you home with an aspirin. Uh, and that's the kind of yeah. way that I suppose people are interpreting what they saw last night. Um, but it, it, you know, it's not too surprising to me that the vested interests of, of the various oil-producing countries uh, are being um, exerted today because um, they also have, if you like, uh, vested, an interest in, in not impoverishing their own economies too yes. much. But you know, that they also have a lot of money that they could spend in making the transition themselves to a more sustainable world and a more sustainable energy system. So let's hope that um, over the next 24 hours, uh, you know, some heads are knocked together. Um, the, uh, we've seen quite a lot of very good input from the Irish point of view in terms of uh, negotiations on adaptation finance, negotiations on loss and damage. So there are some good things in the text that it would be a shame to lose out on completely. But the bottom line is that the window, of course, is closing on climate change. The carbon budgets are being eroded very quickly. And every year that we put off making those tough decisions are years that um, means that down the road they're going to be even more drastic and even more severe. And in the meantime, our own climate extremes, not just in Ireland, but in, in other parts of the world, will become more frequent and more ex- more extreme than they have been in the past. I think uh, I think people need their ears waxed that they're not hearing this, to be honest with you, John. But anyway, you mentioned a word there called transition, and I'm interested in something. I read a really interesting piece in The Telegraph in recent days about this. This transition time, how how long will it take to transition and of course it has to be a phase thing away from fossil fuels that's the first part of my question and secondly the alternatives are, are renewable on their own or uh, the answer to this well it will take time and um, to, to get out of the fossil fuel age but we have to do it very quickly we, we know from the ipcc that we have to reduce our emissions by around 43% by the end of this decade. And we have to get to net zero by around uh, 2050. So when we do that transition, what we have to ensure is that the countries that are currently dependent on fossil fuels, especially in the developing world, have the wherewithal, have the financial support 
to enable them to make the right decisions about renewable energy so they don't make the same mistakes as we have in the developed world. It will take time, uh, and that's why this, the earlier we start doing it, the better. But um, it's, tr- it's a difficult transition. We know in Ireland even how difficult it has been to get our own emissions down to a tolerable level. Uh, if you think of a country like India or China, where in general the, the developing countries have a lot lower per capita emissions than we do, um, then you can see how it's, it's, they have some justification for saying, don't tell us what to do, uh, don't tell us uh, not to make the mistakes that you did. Um, it's fine for the developed world to, to make these kind of grandiose statements, but for us it's a matter of life and death. So it, it is a difficult choice, but it's a choice that we have to do because in the end of the day, um, we live in what I suppose Pope Francis referred to as our common home. And uh, that means that, you know, what what happens in one part of the world will ultimately come back to roost in in other parts of the world, including places like Ireland. So it's in our long-term interest to try and ensure that this transition is carried out smoothly and effectively, because without it, we face conflict as well as climate dislocation Mm. down the road. And that's what we don't want to have. Can renewables take the place of fossils, uh, fossil fuels they can on indeed. their own? Yeah, um, yeah, they certainly can. Um, you know, we can get um, renewables. That, renewables are now more competitive in many countries than um, traditional sources of fossil fuel generated electricity, for example. So the market will certainly. Um, achieve that. The, one of the outcomes of this COP is that they're, they propose to have a threefold increase in renewables, and the market will probably achieve that on its own. It, it also is a more efficient way of generating electricity, and there's another outcome from, from this text which says we should double our energy efficiency, and that will help again. Uh, I think there will be difficulties with some forms of transport. Like, it's going to be hard for planes. It's going to be hard for ships. Um, it's not going to be too hard for cars or, or, or freight. Mm. But we will have some difficult choices to make down the road. But there are synthetic fuels, such as hydrogen and ammonia, which we can bring in generated by renewable energy sources, um, which can get round those difficulty, um, those difficult in means of transport, for example, in the medium term. But, you know, that, that's down the road. We have to make a start on it and we have to make a, sor- a solid start on it before we can worry about those residual ones down the road too much. What will happen, John, finally, if there is no agreement on a revised text, if this split, this fissure, you know, is unbridgeable, let's say, what, what will happen then? Well, I think if there's no agreement, um, technically there will be a a non-paper coming out of this and people will just simply reassemble if they can um, in in Azerbaijan this time next year. Um, It happened before. It happened in, in Copenhagen and it took about three or four years for countries to get back on track after that. Um, the problem is that you know con- uh, blocks like the EU, if they walk away, will lose leadership of the of the whole climate change issue. 
uh, we'll leave it to individual countries to do their own thing and we'll have a rather strange populist type of, of movement then where agreements break down uh, in, in terms of national self-interest ruling the roost. And that, that would be a course that we don't want to go down um, for, for very many reasons, obviously. But I think, you know, my feeling is that, that there will be something cobbled together uh, in the next 48 hours. It may not be exactly what we want to see, um, but, but I do hope it will enable multilateralism to continue because this is a problem, a global problem, which only multilateral efforts can solve. It can't be solved by any individual country. And we don't really want it to, to, to go down that road of countries doing their own thing um, completely. So let's hope that uh, something comes out of, uh, of the overnight <laughs> negotiations that we face today. Indeed, John. Thank you. Very grateful to you joining us from Dubai live this afternoon. Thanks a million, John. Okay, you're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Emeritus Professor John Sweeney there in uh, the midst of the COP29 finale there in Dubai. And we await uh, to see what emerges from this. I'm feeling myself that, you know, if you're the oil producing countries and that um, a non-agreement mightn't be the uh, worst thing in the world from your perspective, but for... Those on the front line, well, it's a different story entirely, isn't it? But I think what John said there about uh, Pope Francis, this is our common home. You wouldn't think it at times, would you? Our common home when you see what's going on in Gaza and that there are 55 conflicts going on, 55 conflicts around this world of ours at the moment. Over what? You you just shrug your shoulders, don't you? You really, really do. Anyway, not to be too depressing on this afternoon, let me tell you, coming up on the show, I'm looking forward to meeting three young bucks from Dundalk. They're brewing their own lager. Makaran, they're joining me on the show after two this afternoon. But in the meantime, let's have a short commercial break. Just had to play that one today after her uh, audience last evening on TV at the Royal Albert Hall. Miss Kylie Minogue had invited guest list and her fans as well. Oh, what a show it was. She did a lot of talking and answered a lot of questions, I have to say, sang and uh, went through the decades as well. Amazing, amazing woman. Anyway, that's Kylie at Christmas on your late lunch on LMFM Radio. I got an absolute ball of children's Christmas cards today, reminding you that Chew City have given us a €250 voucher and we have Toy Store vouchers as well, three prizes to give away to three children out there who make us a Christmas card. Yes, it's kids' cards for Kelly this Christmas time on late lunch and I have loads and loads and we're going to put them on display here in the house. I just couldn't read all I have today. I want to say a big thank you to St. Oliver's National School, the teachers there and the principal as well who uh, got the children animated and working on this and some of their cards have arrived here. Rianne Byrne, well done to you with a beautiful Christmas card and a tree on it. Let's read a few of them out for you. Mustafa Soheb from Brianstown Manor uh, going to St. Oliver's as well. Lovely one there with the 
Christmas. You know the thing you shake with the snow and at the little Christmas decoration and Merry Christmas on that one there. Here's a lovely one with snowman and everything on it, trees and you name it. Reindeer as well from Scarlet Fuller. She's aged eight uh, from Ballamacanny Road in Drogheda. Uh, another one there as well. Who is this one from? Lily Walls. Lily Walls from Newfield. I love your card with the reindeer and Santa flying across the sky. Another three on this one. Have a Merry Christmas all at LMFM Some from Sam Brady Murray, 10 years of age. Avenue 1, Yellow Batter in Drogheda. Another one there from A.J. Conlon, Hand Street. I love your reindeer. Oh, I adore your reindeer. Look at that one there. What an artist you are. And a couple more here. Fern is 11. She's from... Uh, Forest Park and sends me a lovely one as well with a reindeer on it as well and look at this for a Christmas tree oh my word that comes in from Ella and Dara in Forest Park they're in fourth class in St Oliver's and this is unbelievable a big Christmas hat that came in from Josh Connolly Liscorry and Drogheda as well my god there's some word work has gone into that hat there you've done a brilliant job you've all done wonderful jobs on your cards and I have so many there thank you so much you're all in with a chance for the prizes next week here on Late Lunch keep them coming to me reception open between 9 and 4 Monday to Friday post box outside or via the main postal service thank you so much three boyos in studio with me now I have to tell you folks Makara beer it's a brand new beer it's anonymous with Dundalk and the three men behind it they're friends for years and years are with me on the show Paul Kelly Killian and Vincent Mulligan welcome to Late Lunch great to have you with us this afternoon how are you Jerry? thanks for having us well Jerry, what's the crack what's the crack is right <laughs> well I'm going to tell the listeners what the crack don't is tell them, Jerry. don't, don't say, them. Nothing, say nothing <laughs> I have three brewers and the only thing on the table is a bottle of water <laughs> Boys, it's a key boys. ingredient of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. What's happened? Where is the beer? Look, yeah, it sounds like a publicity stunt, Jerry, but uh, we forgot the beer. <laughs> we got a bit excited. Uh, we forgot the main thing we needed. Yeah, it's on the way, though, so don't More fret. Beer, so that's, that's the main we'll thing. have it. We'll tell you our story first. That was the plan, anyway. And then we'll have the beer. Don't panic, Jerry. Do you know what Breeds in reception said to me? Breeds said, if it was a woman, if it was a woman, although women brewers they wouldn't have forgot the beer because no, they right. have their place right. absolutely organised on the one. Anyway, you're welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thanks okay, so I-, I met you before, didn't I, Killian? Exactly, yes. Jerry. Yeah, I had hair down to my arse and uh, <laughs> I was, it was about five years ago I was selling whiskey. I was a brand ambassador for Jameson over in India. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I suppose... Well, we start into our story and tell you yeah, a little bit about yes, us and the whole please, lot. Please. Yeah, so it, it kind of goes from there. With the three of us, we've been best friends since we're 12 or 13 years old. We all went to secondary school together. This Fenno fella, because we're both mulligans, they put us sitting beside each other on the assessment test. Every time. <laughs> and he was copying me, and he still got into a higher class, Jerry. I don't know how. He's the but, brains of the operation. Yeah, yeah, far from it. Never knows that. So, eventually, we came through secondary school, and like any young people aspiring to go to college, we picked a college together based on which city would be the best crack and the most fun to go to. So, we all decided we'd go to Galway, to NUIG. So, we were over there, and I suppose that's when our love of... Uh, the alcohol industry and beer and the whole lot was grown and we spent a few years over there. Then we sort of went our separate parts. I joined Jemson. I was over in India for a couple of years. Then Paul followed me over there. I had all the whiskey sold already, but uh, the sent them up. go and drink it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and all the while, uh, Finno was studying a, a master's in 
uh, craft beer. He goes thesis and craft beer and DKIT. He done a lot of drinking of it and researching it through the pubs as well. <laughs> I think. And then, uh, yeah, I suppose then we all came back together during COVID. We started working for a local brewery. You probably know it, the Dog Bay Brewery. Yes. Um, and yeah, we really got our experience there and, and got our feet under the ground. And I suppose it's it's since our college days in Galway, we had our own group chat, Macara Brewery, that we were going to start. And it was only really after working in the brewery and seeing how hard it was and noticing <laughs> we didn't have a couple of million euro in our bank pockets, our back pockets, that we decided we'd go about it a different way. Okay. And that we would start Macara Pub. But we always wanted it to be more than a pub. We wanted it to be a brand or to be, we call it a hub, not a pub, a community somewhere where it's loads of crack and eventually the, the goal and the dream was to get to this point where we launch our lager that we don't have with us here today. <laughs> <laughs> lager in uh, our quotes. Yeah. I can taste the hops. <laughs> it's lovely on the nose. Yeah, it's good for the radio Water's listener. funny, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you know what I, now you know what I'm drinking here every day. There's hops in the water. No, it will be here. It will be here. But, uh, you, you know, isn't it amazing that your friendship from such a young age has moved along through life and here you are today with your own place your place is renowned for what you mentioned there it's more than a pub it really is because the food talk to me a bit about the food and the pizzas i've been told that pizzas are to die for is that right paul that's right jerry so macara we like to think we do it all so we're cafe during the day so we do fantastic coffee which comes from canada coffee in galway we do cracking toasted sandwiches and in the evening we do our pizza and we do our pints so I know you heard all about the Sing Lee pizza. <laughs> it's our number one seller. So Is it? Yeah, so what yeah. we like to do, we have, uh, obviously we do our classic pizzas like margaritas, pepperoni, and things like that. But then we like to think a bit outside the box because we're a bit mad, you know? So this is our <laughs> Sing Lee. <laughs> so we pizzas like our Sing Lee pizzas, which is like a curry chip on a pizza. We have a breakfast pizza. We have... Um, pizza Fitzpatrick. Pizza Fitzpatrick. <laughs> is that, that's not Pizza Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Named after him. Yeah. <laughs> we have about fifteen menu menu items named after Peter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we do a whole range of food offerings, and just it does really well. But our main focus is our beer. Look, like, we like to think of ourselves as the beer boys. That's what we're trying to coin ourselves. We've thirty taps with Dundalk's first tap house. So we've thirty taps. We've wine on tap. We've beers from all across Ireland on tap. We've own house beers, which ten cent of every pint goes to charity in Dundalk. So when you're That's out. great. I want to congratulate you on that. I saw that I was going to bring it up anyway. Well done to you. It's Thanks a lovely million. touch. It yeah. really, really is. No, as Killian said, everything we do, like we like when we opened the pub, we wanted to kind of reimagine what a pub was or what a pub is. And we wanted to be more than a pub, as we said, like we think of ourselves as a community. And everything we do is around this community spirit. So like once a month we have a Sunday market where we have fifteen to twenty stalls out in a beer garden and we take in entrepreneurs from all around the country and county in to sell yeah. their handmade goods and you know, every six weeks we have a dog day where we give all the mo- money from teas and coffees to the local Dundalk Dog Rescue. So we had over 100 dogs in the pub there on the Sunday, so the place was wild, but we love it. for a few pints. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of puppuccinos. Yeah. Tell, tell the listeners, like, where, where is the pub in Dundalk? Just for people, you know, yes. from outside the So anyone that's not in Dundalk, yeah. so 19 Roden Place. Okay, that's we know it is. That. Remember that address. Roden Place, yeah. a landmark. And, and this place is a landmark too, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, it's a historic building, it's a listed building. Yeah. It was the old century bar, some of your listeners might know it as. Of course. And we're across the cathedral there in town. Um, but yeah, beautiful building. Um, so much history in it. Yeah. yeah. Architecture is beautiful. No, 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 you've done a lot of talking. The, the brains of the operation, <laughs> I, I just want to bring him in here because he's sitting there patiently listening to the two of you hang yourselves. <laughs> Jerry, you going? Jerry my, my plan to talk to you was about the, the beer itself. <laughs> so that, that's why you've been very quiet. <laughs> 
So, um, Jerry, as as you can hear from the two lads, we yeah. we try and do everything unique in in Mukara. So, I'd love to have the bottle here to show you. But for your listeners, the bottle is um, it is a very unique bottle. It's a stubby bottle. It is. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So, um, Killian likes to get the the digging at me. He says it's mirrored after myself. So it's so it's uh, short and stubby, as he says. But um, with no neck. No neck. <laughs> I don't like that bit. <laughs> <laughs> but Jerry, um, with the bottle and with the brew and, and everything we're doing, we're trying to pay tribute to um, the brewing the brewing history of Dundalk. So we're trying to take the likes of the harp and the McCardles that, that obviously don't don't be brewed anymore in Dundalk back into the town mm. and bring a, a great crisp lager back into Dundalk. So that's the plan. Yeah, because the history in the town is amazing. It really is. And it's great to see you young guys reviving this as well and bringing it back. Um I have to say, I'm a big fan of craft beers myself. And I find like with the fellas I drink when I meet them tomorrow night, I always say about them, they have very Catholic taste. They just drink the same bloody thing 52 <laughs> weeks of the year. But if something new came into the pot, I'd give it a go. Do you know what I mean? Because I do like to try it like that. Is that a feature, do you think, of the younger Irish generations now that they're more open? Yeah, well, we thought that, look, coming out with a lager... It's it's something that everybody likes, uh, but we we tend to see in like younger people now, and even in terms of the clothes they wear, the music they listen to, they want to listen to Irish independent, they want to support local, but they don't necessarily want to have their taste buds blown off by a double IPA every time. So our our idea is to get this out to the masses. It's sold in a four pack, um, and yeah, just that you can everyone will enjoy it. You know, and we yeah. we've had some. Larganadini is what we're calling it. The people's lager. People's lager. It's yeah. for everyone, you know. It's <laughs> even you, Jerry. <laughs> not today, though. Soon, though. <laughs> even me, but not today. <laughs> but you know, when it comes to you know the craft beer industry, and I've watched it. We're nearly fifteen years doing this thing here, and I've seen it going back, start off again. You know, it began, and it and people went in of it into it and out of it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and yeah. it's a it's a tough business. It's not an easy business to, you know what I mean? Mr. Businessman, what do you um, think? When, yeah, whenever I was doing my research back yeah, in... Um, you did the diesel. 2020, those <laughs> 75 active microbreweries in Ireland. So so there is quite a lot and there is quite a lot, lot of selection out there. So in, t- in terms of the customers in the pub, we have 10 or 11 taps in Makara. That's We only get one keg at a time. So it's totally rotational craft beer. Right. And the lads will tell you it did go well, so we've we've never had this sort mm. of pull a line or anything. So there is a great demand for craft beer still. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. There is more than ever. But what I'm saying to you as well, some people have gone in now, and they've been some have been bought up. You know this as well yeah. in yeah. terms of the breweries. They making been, an offer, Jerry. Is that yeah. what <laughs> Made a couple of videos. <laughs> That's before tasting it. Yeah. <laughs> what can I make an offer on? There's, there's nothing on the table. What are you talking about? Well, everything's on the table, Jerry. Everything's on the table. <laughs> but but you know what I'm saying. You're right, 75, and it, it is, and you'll see them all over the place as well. But to you guys, I think, are a little different in that you have your premises and you're doing it in a different way. Guess what's at the door? That's <laughs> oh. where it was planned. <laughs> Look, Look what's happened. Thank you, Breach. Thanks, Breach. Look what's arrived. Can you see the resemblance? I, I take it you have an opener now. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> we were sweating there for a second. Thank God Vino has it. Oh, Vincent, good on you. You are the man. You are the sip. man. Let's have a little, let's have a little look. So this is the so last. Have one with you, Jerry. Do you know what? I have to say, and I was looking at this morning, as I mentioned, the bottles are lovely. They're a lovely bottle. They are a little stubby bottle. Let's have a little mouthful here. 
woman to try it. I like it. <laughs> Brilliant. I like it. I like it. There's a lovely, do you know what there is with it? What is that linger? When Brunch. you take a mouthful of it, there's a gorgeous... There's proper malty flavour to it, you know, yeah. And you're right, because some of this can be really hoppy. If you go the IPA route, I know what you're talking about. It can be. And it's too much for some people. Especially for lunchtime here. Yeah. For you, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll hear people say that, that it's just, it's a bit much. But that is nice. That's really nice, I we have just, to say. We just wanted to go nice, clean, refreshing just easy to drink suppable is the word that we're using yeah you know we've a wee spiel in the we, back there Jerry won't you let me have a look let me have a look at the spiel on the back here when I let the, the specs down there and have a look at it. this beer do you want me to start reading there yeah, this yeah. beer the, uh, the beer boys at Macara have brewed and drank long and hard to bring you Ireland's most suppable lager we recommend opening with your belly button <laughs> <laughs> I'd say mine is full of fluff. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's the beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's only one sip. That's good stuff. To open with your belly button and to grip and sip till you've had your fill. I Poetic. love that. Ah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But um, it is that what you, what, all the description you made of it. And you know what I'm thinking here now? Do you know these fellas set this up? <laughs> you know what? This was a setup today. They came on purpose without the lager. And you know what they want me to say? Yes, it's been worth waiting for. <laughs> it's been worth waiting for. Let's take a short break. The boys are staying with me at late lunch. It's a laugh a minute. Mokara Lager. It's in the house. Cheers. No, we haven't been drinking our heads off during the break, that's for sure. But we've been we've been sipping Mokara Lager. The boys are with me on the show today. Paul Kelly and Vincent and Killian Mulligan are with us talking about their brand new beer. Let's talk about the packaging because the little stubby bottles come in a lovely cardboard four pack and I love what's on them. Hey, who did the caricatures of the three yet? Who did that? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he done a starty, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Vinny wasn't happy. No, I'm not happy. No. Well, <laughs> let me say he, he's good. Is it him that did it? Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. No, um, he's very good. Grandson Design helped us with the whole uh, he's design agency in Dundalk and then we had an illustrator specifically for that called Classquatch. But Vino says, yeah, the illustration added a few pounds. He wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> very circular. You'd want to have a thick skin, wouldn't you, being involved in this enterprise, Vincent, with, with these fellas, for sure. But I do, I, I have to say, everything you've done, from the stubby bottle, the label on it, to the four-pack here, is class. You know what I mean? There's there's class in it. You can see that. That's the building. Is it that the windows of the building? Exactly, itself? yeah. So the, the actual four-pack itself is a custom illustration of the building on the side. It walks around. Into One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weightloss weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The, yeah, the, the sketch of us. And then we wanted it nice and like tidy and neat that you could pick up a four pack, that it's not, you know, bustling around and that it fits on the shelf nicely because that, that's important for retailers as well. Who, who picked the bottle? Or, you know, who decided on this stubby bottle? Yeah, well, we we were chasing this bottle, this stubby bottle, for a long time, and uh, a lot of people have seen it so far. They say, "Wow, I've never seen a bottle like that in Ireland," and then we realised there's a reason because there's nowhere <laughs> to fill them in Ireland. So we had to go and make custom uh, moulds to actually to fill them, and we brew them out in Brehan with uh, Seamus. He's a uh, Seamus McMahon yes. in Enniskeen, so he's a brilliant dairy farmer out there as well he's 200 cows and I'm from Kilcarity myself so I'm only a stone's throw away or whatever but so he was out in Habs with the milk in the yard <laughs> yeah, yeah, needs yeah. something like that <laughs> <laughs> I could see that already <laughs> so just picturing that at the moment but you know the bottle makes you stand out it's unique it makes you different when it comes to what's on the shelves and what's around what about your distribution how are you going to distribute this um, so we've um, just got distribution partnered with um, Four Corners so um, they're, they're getting around the country for us. We've reached far and wide. We're in Galway. We're in Cork. <laughs> we're in sunny Drogheda. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if anyone wants to stock our, our lovely lager, you can reach out to um, Four Corners and they'll get it on the shelves. Yeah, ourselves. Tall, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a big commitment, isn't it, Paul? Like, There's no underestimating this. I know you're fun guys for sure. <laughs> but, you know, running a business, you know, and the hours that's involved, the food, the drink, developing this beer. My God, you, it's, it's busy. You're obviously busy men. No, it really is, Jerry. And look, well, lucky, like for two years, we've been building Macar, the pub, and we have a great team behind us, a great team of staff. And it means then that we're able to take a wee step back now and then to be able to, work on the next thing and build it's just, we're always thinking bigger on what's next and what's next so that's just who we are as people I think we all come uh, all our parents were entrepreneurs they all had their own businesses and I think we always just had it in us that we wanted to go and do our own thing and we just we can we can never sit still we're always thinking of the next thing mm. even with, like, with the pub that's why we always do all these events we're always thinking of it because we always just want to get better and better and then even just we need to keep it interesting for ourselves it's a bit yes. of crack yeah. 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 <laughs> and we love it as you said it's a lot of work but we love it you know we get up every day and we're going to do something for ourselves and we're getting to do something that we love and build something that hopefully will be massive so yeah. it really does drive us you're great. You're really great, I have to say. And I just got the energy from I went out and met you there in reception on the on the way in and you, you can just really feel it. Tuesday Tuesday it's Tuesday today and you're here because this is your you do take one day off. One day, day off a right? week. Well that's the day where we get the most work done. Yeah. You're <laughs> because not you're not yeah, you're not so you're not off. But yeah, we take one day off because we're open, as we said, we open for lunch, so open at eleven o'clock in the day and then at the weekends you open to one o'clock in the morning. So it's it's a long day, so we do need to take a day for ourselves and even to give the staff a day off. We worked them very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice nice to give them a few hours off. The pub trade, you know, just talking about the pub trade itself, you know, you, we hear all the time the challenges that people face in the business and it's 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 not easy. But you've obviously something. You you you've a formula that's really working. Yeah, like what what we try to do in Makara 
when you go into your average pub, you go in and there's there's TVs everywhere and they're, they're, they're drinking their, their usual options. So what we try and do is when people come in to us, they can come in on their own and they can sit beside someone and they can start chit-chatting. We want everyone to come in and basically feel at home. And that's what we strive to do in, in Macara. That's why we sort of build ourselves on the ethos of community. So we just wanted to have something different, really. Yeah. And, and you know, it is a thing today. The phone, there it is over there. So look, at without it, what would we do or what would we be? I know it's a, such an integral part of life today. But the pub, the Irish pub, where, you know, that doesn't dominate. Where, as you say, we... You know, we talk. <laughs> yeah. We have the crack. The lost art. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if this goes, I, I, I despair, to be honest with you. You know, I really do. You, it, you, yeah, even, even in the design of it, when we when we first set out, we wanted it to be like, almost like a, a German-style beer garden. We have a 150-seater beer garden with all purposely designed big, long tables that, you know, we have these events. I think Paul was telling you about, like, events like we know in Kitchen Takeovers where we brought the best you know, chefs and businesses from Dublin, Belfast and further afield. We take them in on a Tuesday night once a month and once every two months. And we've had 150 people in on a Tuesday night sold out. Um, so the, the idea of these big long benches and the whole lot is that, you know, you, you can go in, as Vino said, as a couple, but it's almost like being at a wedding, sitting at a table of eight or, or ten people, you know, the crack. So it's good. I love what you're doing. I, I love what you're doing because we need to get back to this. You know, we really do. You know, and and ah, look, you're, you're fantastic. I wish you well with everything. You're open, by the way. You want to say you are open for the Christmas. From next Tuesday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to miss the Tuesdays over the holiday season. That's, that's for sure. You're three great fellas. You obviously have a great camaraderie and spark between you as well. And I can understand why you're so successful because when this goes out to your staff and the customers, well, it just must be magical. <laughs> I'll have to pay you a visit and see what it's all about. Congratulations on Makara Beer. Hold them up there. Thanks, Jerry. Thank you very much, Cheers, Jerry. Boys. LMFM Cheers. Christmas party this year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Cheers. for joining us. Take care. Thanks, Jerry. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Oh, you'd just be uh, lifted by them, wouldn't you? They're fantastic. What great fellas. Paul Kelly, Vincent and Killian Mulligan from Makara. The fun, that energy going out from them to the staff, as I said, and to the customers, it must be really special. Hi, Jerry. Great bar. Top class food. Well done, lads. Keep it up, says a listener there today. And I'm sure that reflects many of the feelings out there because it is a go-to place. I will have to get there in the new year. I have so many promises to get to places. Will I ever make them? That's a place I really would like to go to. And best wishes to them with Makara Lager. It's Tuesday, a little bit later than usual. Let's do this. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'm to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. Yes, our Two on Tuesday. This Tuesday is a terrific song, I have to say. But when it was released in 1983, it did nothing. But in 1984, back it came again and roared up the charts to number two. Yes, It's the weather girls and it's raining men on late lunch. Ha ha, we're your weather girls. And have we got news for you. You better listen. Get ready, all your lonely girls, and leave those umbrellas at home. All right. 
Weather Girls and it's Raining Men. Our two on Tuesday on late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. God, it's been raining more than men. Cats and dogs the last while here. Uh, don't mention the war. Anyway, that was the two. And each week we uh, also bring you the song that prevented it reaching number one on the UK charts. And this is a biggie. And I have to say... I love the weather, girls. I like this one too. Which is it going to be today? Let's have a listen to the number one that prevented weather girls making it to top spot. It's Lionel Richie himself. Yes, on late lunch, on a Tuesday. We're delighted to say hello to you. And Lionel will too. Here we go. I've been alone with you inside my And in my dreams I've kissed your lips a thousand times I sometimes see you pass outside my door Lionel Richie, Radio Romance, on Late Lunch, this Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Sorry, no, it is the afternoon. It is coming up to uh, a quarter to three. Don't uh, feel you're in the middle of the night or anything like that. Anyway, what is it to be? Louise is not with me this week. What is it to be this week? Is it to be the weather girls? It's raining men. All I know, Richie. It has to be the weather girls. It's more lively, isn't it? It's raining men. It's great old songs. So yeah, get you up and dancing around the place. I'll go for that one this week. Anyway, it's a majority decision of one. Uh, we'll bring you uh, another two and Tuesday, please, God. Next week on our final week of the year on Late Lunch. Sad news late last week. Paddy Callan, a legendary man in Midloud in the terms of business, his giving to the community, passed away at the age of 90. And there's been an outpouring of love for him ever since. And I'm joined on Late Lunch today by a man who knew him well. He's the current chairman of St Mary's RD. Mickey Rooney, thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. A, a huge loss. A huge loss, Jerry, indeed. Um, a mighty man in, in you know, our community and um, a very good friend of mine. To You know, Paddy would, uh, would, I would have confided in Paddy in a lot of my time as a chairman and I also served under him between the years maybe 95 to 2009, I would have served on them as his vice chairman. But initially, when you know, um, Paddy in the 60s, you know, got involved with the Marys. And, um, you know, at that time, it was already uh, juveniles and he would have been um, behind uh, the culminating of a famous four in a row uh, minor championship from 64 to 67. Paddy was a selector on that um, team, and you know he was he was a great man for Aldi Miners, and had no problem you know using his own car or bring people here, there, and everywhere you know, and, and encouraged all kids to to play you know football in our community. He was absolutely a legend, you know. Yes, he began in the 60s, of course, at the Marys, and he was involved in the club right through, a predecessor of yours, of course, as chairman. But talk to me about this current team you have, this wonderful senior team that you've been working on for years, bringing them up from uh, young fillers into the, the minor grade and on. How much of a part did he play in that? Yeah, well, Paddy would have, you know, uh, in his time at the helm, he would have, you know, introduced um, academies, uh, tried to promote um, the young playing football as best as he could and in all fairness he would also wouldn't be behind 
um, the wheel with support and if we needed support maybe for sponsoring jerseys or EG like we put a new scoreboard up there recently and and Paddy uh, donated that to the club and it's a magnificent electronic scoreboard but he would be up in the field encouraging every young young fella and you know to, to get involved and would be so much you know behind the, the, the scenes you know this last 15 years but like up until 2009 he was the chairman and you know we would have built our new dressing rooms you know in the clubhouse also the Asher Tough pitch we under Paddy's reign the juvenile pitch and you know them things um, were the culminating as well has given the lads the facilities to train or gym for instance you know he's he's he was behind that as well and if we hadn't got them facilities you know the, the kids uh, wouldn't be able to um, you know do what they're doing but Definitely, he, he would have been to have him regarding that, and he was a proud man. Um, you know, last year and, and obviously this year, you know, doing the double double. But um, he was a very, very happy man. You know, and it, it's great times. You know that the lads are doing well, and it's great to see them all. You know, he, he was very proud of them um, playing as well for Loud, and you know, it's great to have. You know, the last year we had the on the Loud senior panel and. Paddy was very, very, you know, happy with that because in the 50s, the Marys had a, a lot of people um, playing with uh, the Loud County team at that stage. Yeah, it's great that he, he lived to see the, the current success, a wave yeah. of success, and the players taking their place with Loud in, in the red and white as well. There was a lot more to his bow, of course. He was a wonderful businessman. He leaves a, a great business behind him. His contribution to the community, credit union, he was a man of great faith yeah. too. Yeah, well, the one thing, he was yeah, definitely a man of great faith. There's no question about it, but that uh, has, has, was, uh, had his funeral yesterday. You know, it was a great send-off and he would have been very, very proud of it. But he also was, you know, a loud supporters club. He was involved in that. He was also involved with the Loud Enterprise Fund, which would would have been start-up businesses, you know. Um, you know, the RD Credit Union, a huge, huge member of that. And the Loud Leader Board as well, he would have been served on that. RD Parish Council, he also served on that. And um, the Athletic Clubs, you know, he was a real, real community man and would be sadly, sadly missed. You know, he, he was without doubt and also, you know, in his own business has, you know, in the Cal's Road there, PJ Callum Limited, he would have employed a lot of people from RD down through the years and, and you know, created a lot of employment for the benefit of RD. There's no doubt about that. Oh, yeah, wonderful. An all-rounder for sure. As a man, you said he was a, a great counsel to you, but when you read about him and, and what people are saying about him, they say he had a great ear, he was a great listener, he was a great confident, he was a great advisor. Yeah, 100%. Look, if, if, if there was that, you know, if you needed any advice, and which is seven times I did, has within his chairman, you know, um, Paddy would have, uh, I could have confided in Paddy a lot. And, um, you know, I always listened and his advice was, you know, top class. It was, you know, probably the best advice I ever got. And look at today in Parkway, the five Parkway, we are really uh, trying to promote, promote, you know, the facilities and the ground. And Paddy, one hundred percent, his pride and joy was unbelievable. It was mentioned yesterday. There was Parkway at Hardy, 
he loved it. He was brilliant up there and will be sadly missed as, as advice and also support, you know. Yeah, sadly, Misty will be in such a contribution to RD in Midloud. Great family man too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's predeceased by his infant son and his parents and his sister Mary. And he's survived by his wife, Josie, and daughters, um, Anne and Trisha, and son John, and his grandchildren, Sarah and Matthew, Hannah, Stephen, Holly, Neve, Jack, Katie, Andrew and Leo, and uh, his brother Sean, his sisters Nancy and Rosaline. One of a kind, Paddy Callan, and we remember him today on Late Lunch and extend our sympathies to his wife, his children, his grandchildren and extended family. May he rest in peace. Thank you so much, Mickey Rooney, Chairman of St Mary's, for joining me today to pay tribute to a wonderful man. You're welcome, Jerry. Thank you. Late Lunch LMFM Radio on Tuesday afternoon. Still to come on the show, we have renowned violinist Vladimir Jablikev joining me after three. We've number four in our top five countdown. And just reminding you, best Christmas pudding in the Northeast. Need them in by end of business next Monday, please. They're coming in already, but send them to us. Massive hamper for the winner. Get them into LMFM and you could be picking up the title this year, the last year of the competition. Just to let you know that earlier in the week, well, late last week, was it late last week? Yes, very late last week. Uh, Santa's little helper, who is a great friend of ours, ho, 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 13 sleeps to go, uh, dropped in a sizable donation to me to pass on to the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre. And that I did yesterday. I called in. The place is absolutely beautiful and as busy as ever. And met Emma and Helen and we took the photos and all and I passed over the donation and they are eternally grateful to Santa's little helper. They wanted to pass on their sincere gratitude and uh, I was just delighted to be the conduit in, in that process. Thank you again for your wonderful, wonderful generosity. It's time for this and Late Lunch now. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number four from this very week in 1976. And I really like this song. I think it's one of the finest. It's from their 1976 album called New World Record. Who am I talking about? ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra. And this song is where it would be highest in the charts on this week all those years ago. Yes, it made it to number four, no higher than that. But there's something about this song. It is really special. Brings back great memories to me, I have to say, as well. Yes, four from this week in the UK charts. The number four, 1976. It's ELO and Living Thing. Hello and living thing on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Number four in our top five countdown from this week in 1976. Written by Jeff Lynne. Wonderful, wonderful song. I love it. Three, two, one to come at the roundabout this time on late lunch over the coming days. Final break this Tuesday afternoon. And afterwards, I'm joined by a world-class violinist. Santa baby forgot to mention one little 
Oh, beautiful indeed. That is my next guest and his orchestra there singing a Christmas classic. Vladimir Yablokev, welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you so much and good afternoon to you all and Jerry. Can I describe you as the Andre Rue of Ireland? <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people do that, uh, but uh, we're trying to, uh, you know, try and keep our originality as well, but I have to say it's only a compliment if you say that. Oh, it is, and I mean it sincerely. You're simply wonderful. Is that lady singing there? Is that your wife singing there? It is indeed, and the whole show is one big family affair. I have four or five siblings involved in the show. I have my mom still with us, you know, and even my own children are singing now, and we're flying over some cousins from Austria, from Innsbruck, you know, so it's full of family fun. It became a tradition for the Yablokov family, which is my surname. And uh, we met every year since 2009 until 19. And then last year, for the first time, we appeared at Dublin's Three Arena. And I have to say, we enjoyed it so much. And we're having a lot of fun with it this year as well. When I hear Santa Baby, I, <laughs> I cannot stop laughing because my wife always comes up with some sort of new moves. And I'm looking forward to see a new dress that being <laughs> Tailored or just about finished at the moment, you know, and we also have a wonderful singers, you know, uh, I'm only after rehearsing with Tara Arauk this morning and I never knew Ireland has such a talent because she never sings here. She's too busy internationally mm. from Met to Vienna State of, uh, Opera to Paris and whatever else. She's only making a little stop in Ireland before she's flying out to Germany on Monday morning. So we have her, we have Gavin Ring, we have Sean Costello, we have Sharon Lyons. So it's, you know, an afternoon or evening of festive celebration with classical music and, of course, uh, going towards the seasonal tunes we all know and love. We have uh, Guinness Choir, we have 45-piece uh, orchestra, we have six pairs of dancers and all kinds of things, you know, and we are going heavy on the new design of orchestra. So we are differing a little bit more from uh, my friend Andre. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely, lovely. We know Tara Erard well in this neck of the woods and Gavin Ring because they live here in the northeast and they've been my guests on numerous occasions here on uh, this show well, as well. So they're they're wonderful. And what you're talking about, just listeners are probably wondering, you're bringing your spectacular Viennese Christmas gala concert to the Three Arena this Sunday, the 17th of December. I have to admit, I love the music you play at this time of the year, Christmas and New Year. There's just something about it, isn't there? It's magical. It is. Uh, like the classical music, I mean, not only for us as a musical family, but I think for many, uh, means Christmas that we can listen to the classical music, you know, to, during that time. It doesn't necessarily have to be only Christmas, you know, and then it does connect really well with the New Year's Day concert in Vienna. So we do a couple of Viennese numbers there as well. But, you know, speaking of the siblings, you know, we all have our characters. Like the youngest brother is the real sort of brain of the family. He's the conductor and he also arranges majority of the tunes, you know, so he's looking after that kind of production side of the show. Now, then I have my oldest brother. He's in Innsbruck in Austria in the orchestra and he loves contemporary music. So he's playing this time. Uh, Tango by Schnitke, but it's really cool. Like we're bring, bringing some new tunes to people's attention as well, but we're presenting them in a way that I, so far, everyone enjoys them. You know, we have piano player Olga, my sister, who is in my office already now as well. Uh, 
because she flew in yesterday and she's the pianist and she really loves romantic piano so she's doing a little bit of the Tchaikovsky piano concerto Wonderful. and then we have a mad Anton uh, who is the virtuoso of the family and he goes for something always tries to go higher and higher and this time he's even playing the third movement of uh, Paganini's piano, uh, piano, <laughs> violin yes. concerto La Campanella, and we made a wonderful arrangement of that. So, look, there is all kinds of bits, and we slowly then direct it towards Christmas, and uh, there is plenty of fun. We have the incredible medley from Sound of Music, and that's why we are flying over another two cousins, so it will be four kids on the stage with my wife doing uh, medley from sound brilliant, music brilliant. and so on. I could go on about the show. I know, I, I know, I know. You have anything. so much, and uh, there is so much involved. And uh, I have to say, your own personal story, you're almost uh, 20 years, it's almost 20 years since you came to Ireland and came here with nothing, busked on Grafton Street. And to think now that you've sold out the concert hall night after night for 12 or 14 successive nights, you've appeared in the O3 of the three arena before and filled it as well and more besides what a story do you pinch yourselves at times when you when you understand where you are today look for me it never stops you know i thought that the ceiling would be the national concert hall at some stage and then i wasn't happy if i had you know four sold-out shows in the weekend and uh, i had had several other performances there throughout the year yeah the, the to move the audience into the arena was a real challenge you know and when we managed to do so, you know, we did Borgash Energy Theatre only, uh, you know, about six months ago, filled mm-hmm. it in as well. Uh, I think, where do I go next? You know, and it's just <laughs> another step. It's the beginning of something new. Yes. We're uh, hoping to go internationally if everything goes well from 2025 with the bigger productions, not only, you know, as the guest stars uh, or with the smaller ensembles. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether I would go for all this if I knew what it takes. Mm. But I was somehow really sure since I was about 12 that I'm going to make classical music available to everyone and in a way that it's also artistically, you know, the valuable. Uh, when I came to Ireland, it was the time I wanted to quit the music because I realized uh, that it mightn't be as easy as I thought. And uh, then the boss king of Grafton Street actually changed my mind mm. because I could see that people really enjoyed if I played a certain way and how I played. So that gave me that kick. And uh, obviously it didn't happen overnight. You know, I had mm. to go several times back uh, to Grafton Street to pay my debts <laughs> from the first <laughs> concerts I tried to, uh, from the first concerts, you know, you would think yes. you make money on concerts. No, I lost. So I went back, you know, a few times and then I found a way how to, you know, work in it. And I had great, you know, uh, people who helped me along the way, who taught me a lot of things, you know, in terms of promotions. I started with, you know, Jim Malloy, who is sort of a local, more hobby sort of promotion, but a lovely, lovely man and his wife, Angela. Then we went, uh, I went to Pat Egan, who taught me, I called him always Mr. Business. You know, he mm-hmm. was like, no compromise. Like, why do you think this would work or not? Uh, and then... And the rest is history. You know, the rest is history. history. I and, took it over myself. Yeah. I'm working on my own. I know, I know. Vladimir, I have to leave it there today. Just remind people, tickets are available from Ticketmaster.ie. It's this Sunday in the Three Arena, Dublin, 5 o'clock. A magical Christmas concert with Viennese music mixed in there and more besides. I wish you well. Thank you for joining me on the show. Just to let you know, Jerry and your listeners, we only have about 100 tickets left. So All right. If you want to go there? You better get ordering <laughs> soon. You better get ordering soon. Vladimir, lovely Thank to talk you so to you. Much. 
much. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Many uh, happy returns. You. Take care of yourself. Wonderful man there. Renowned violinist Vladimir Yablokev with his family in the Three Arena this Sunday. That's it on Late Lunch for Tuesday. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with The Drive. We'll be back with your midweek Late Lunch, 1.30 on Wednesday. See you then.